Okay, let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Colossians chapter 6. Colossians chapter 6, as we continue our study, if you will, or series on walking in Christ Jesus, we kind of used uh, Colossians 2 verse 6 as a kind of our series text, if you will, and then moved on and looked at uh, Psalm 1 last week and walking, uh, but we'll look at the text proper, if you will. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10, it says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time that we have again to come into thy house to hear thy word, to sit at thy feet. We do ask that our hearts and minds are attentive this morning. That Father, each of us have taken the time to set aside the cares of this world, the distractions that could so easily rob us of the Holy Spirit using your word in our hearts this morning. That, Father, we are here as yielded pieces of clay in thy hand to mold and shape us as believers into the image of Christ. That, Father, we're yielded vessels ready to be used as you deem best and fit. For that soul, again, that may be lost here, we pray that you would draw them unto thee this morning. May they know the forgiveness of sin that comes through Christ, the life that you give, the fullness, the peace. Draw them unto thee this morning. And maybe before they leave this service, we would have the opportunity to showing them how they can know Christ and that they too can go forth rejoicing. Bless this time that we have in thy word. And truly, Father, may we go forth rejoicing saying it's been good to have been in thy house this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> as we noted last week, and as uh, those that read the Scriptures and, and find these things, we, we find that God in His instruction to us gives us many examples, many illustrations, many comparisons to help us understand what He desires for us. And our infinite holy God brings the divine down to man's understanding so that we can most benefit from what he has for us. And one of those ways that God helps us is in describing the Christian life as a walk. And here we have in Colossians 2 one such occasion where God, through the Apostle Paul, helps us to understand the relationship we have with him through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to walk in Him. So let us look this morning, continuing on that thought of walking. And uh, as he reminds us here, we are to walk ye in Him. And uh, so we have to walk in Christ Jesus the Lord as ye have received Him. That's the first step in this walk, if you will. And we noted last week that uh, this is an English Bible. And I, when I mean English, I'm referring more to the fact that it is English in that it was written in England, not in America. 
we often have an English class and we really have an American class uh, that teaches us our American version of English because I dare say if any of us were to go to England and start talking with them, we would quickly find some differences in how we talk. I mean, you can find that across this country for that matter. Um, my English of the Midwest was a little bit different when I first went to, south, to the South and encountered Southern speech in North Carolina and uh, was asked, are you kin to so-and-so? We looked a lot alike in my junior high seventh grade class. We both had blonde hair and uh, that was about the similarity, and I remember a girl asking me if I was kin to so-and-so, and I said, am I what? She said, are you kin to so-and-so? And I said, what are you, what are you talking about? What, 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 I'm sorry, I'm not understanding you. Are you related to him? Oh, no, I'm not related to him. I had no idea what the word kin was. I hadn't read my Bible that much at that point, so it wasn't like I had that context to get it because kin is used in the scriptures, but I didn't have that. And I was just, I was stuck. I had no idea what she was asking by using that word. But we were both speaking English, uh, just she was using words that I wasn't familiar with. But um, we, with that noted, with, with English from England, if they're going to go on a walk, they have a starting point and they have a destination. And uh, that's how they use the word walk. That's usually what it's referencing. They're not going for a stroll. They're not going out to meander. Uh, they're going on a walk, which means they have a point A and a point B. And uh, this is where they're starting, and this is where they're going to end. And with that understanding, we have that noted here that there is a walk. And that walk starts as we have received him. Do we know Christ is our Savior this morning? Because if we do, we know that forgiveness of sin, we know that new life that he has given to us, our walk has now started. We have a beginning point. And I want us to consider that. Is our salvation still fresh? Many of us have been saved for decades now. I was humorous with... Uh, Pastor Weber with some of his illustrations and noting that he'd been in the ministry long enough to make some statements of having been in the ministry for such a time and realizing he's not the young man. And we all come to those points at some stage in our life that I may still feel young, but then I look in the mirror and realize, yeah, that's not the same color hair that I had when I married my wife. It's changed a lot. Um, few more pounds on me. I don't do some of the things that I used to do. But is our salvation still fresh? I look forward to 48 years in Christ this June. That seems like a long time now. More of my life has been on this side of salvation than on the other side. I'm thankful for that. What a joy to stop and reflect on that. But stop and reflect. How, is it fresh? Is it still as vibrant and exciting, if you will? I mean, you use your descriptive words that we think back to when we trusted Christ. The joy that we had, the peace, the release, all sorts of words that we could put there. 
of what we experienced when we trusted Christ as our Savior. Are those same descriptive words still there? They should be, because it's still our salvation. We are still saved from sin. That's still been forgiven. We still have and should have that freshness, that newness to this new life in Him. We should never get over it because it is our new life. And uh, God is seeking to do that work in us, but it has that starting point. And so I wonder if we have remembered as, as God instructed the church at Ephesus in Revelation, we're reminded that God had a bone to pick with them, if you will, to use a modern term. They had done a lot of right things, and we know the church at Ephesus. It's one of the churches that we find, yes, in the book of Revelation, but we have an epistle to that same church. Decades before, so it's a testimony to that church that that church was, one, still around, still preaching the gospel, still holding forth the faith, but God had a bone to pick with them. It says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. I'm sure we've probably all have heard messages on what what is that first love? And I'm not here to discuss and, and find out what that first love is, but part of that largely would have to do to is going back to their salvation. That first love, that joyness, that newness, that vibrance of knowing Christ is their Savior. They had their doctrine down, and we need to have our doctrine down. We need to stand for the truth, to earnestly contend for the faith, as Jude reminds us, and all of that. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to have that. But it also comes with having love. We noted that, you know, in the month of uh, February somewhat, that there is love to be exemplified and to be loving. To work with those who may oppose us and let them know that in love, we're here. I'm not going to change. But the offer of salvation is still there and to be demonstrated in that love that we first experienced when we trusted Christ. Because as we walk through this life, we've received him and we walk in faith. And truly in the wonder of his love. It can be disconcerting, a little concerning, to walk by faith and not by sight. How many of us, we get unsettled if we don't have a plan in place for a project, uh, for a trip. My family knows when we were taking trips, whether it be on deputation or going to missions conferences or whatever, If we were traveling any length of time, Dad had taken out the road atlas and found the rest areas and found the marks where we were going to stop. This is our destination for this night. 
Much to my chagrin, I wanted to travel much farther. Um, when I get in the car and I, I want to drive, I want to, I, I guess I'm probably a bit like Brother Jerry. He likes to drive. I want to drive. And uh, we limited ourselves to about 500 miles a day. My females that are in the vehicle won out in that regard um, between my wife and my two daughters. And me, I would have much been suited to go 700 miles maybe and just get the traveling done, enjoy the time out there on the road. But anyway, the plan is there. The rest area to stop for lunch. Okay, we'll have one right about there. So that's where we'll stop and we'll have our lunch. The girls can get out. They can spread their legs, run around. We can pop them back in the car and get back on our way. Here's where we're stopping for the night. My plans were all laid out. If I didn't have that, I was a very discombobulated driver and very unsettled. We have those plans and, and we have, if you will a sight that we're following. But God calls on us, as he reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. This Christian life is a life lived by faith. It started with faith, believing in that message of salvation, and it is lived by faith. We don't know what's ahead. And any of us, I think, that have had any life of salvation for any amount of time would realize, you know what? I'm actually glad I am living by faith and not by sight. Because the implication of living by sight in this life as a Christian is knowing what's ahead. And there's been lots of events in my life that I'm glad I didn't know ahead. Because far too often, if we would have known those events were coming, what would we have done? We would have worried about them, especially if they were a rather life-altering event. Would have been so consumed with that that we wouldn't have been doing anything at that moment that we should have been doing. But God keeps those things from us, and for good reason. But guess what? He's the one walking with us. He does know those things are ahead. And he is making preparations in our lives now to be ready for them. And the sooner we start to realize that, the better off our life of faith and walking this life becomes. I don't think any of us, too many of us, enjoy walking through a dark room where we don't know where the things were before we went into that dark room. I know I don't. My wife likes to rearrange our home. And uh, as time has progressed, that arranging is getting limited and limited. It's not by my doings, because we both picked out our houses, but, uh, you know, early on we had many ways that she could change things, and so I could, would come home from work and find that, oh, the room's been rearranged, okay, or come in and, oh, the bedroom's different, yeah. okay, 
and then would have to get adjusted to the new locations of things. You don't want to do that in the dark. If you're accustomed to it being one way and you have the lights off and it's been changed, uh, you're going to end up with some shinned knees, um, some other things because you found something that you thought wasn't there but is there. So, you know, we have those thoughts that come along with this, but we walk by faith and God is there helping us through this walk. He knows what's in front of us. And he's preparing us for those eventualities that come down along the way. And so he's not taken by surprise. We may be, but he's there with us to comfort and to guide and to direct us. <clears throat> We're walk rooted and built up in Christ as we continue in this passage in verse 7. He notes... Said, walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. It's interesting how he mixes these combinations of descriptions here. Walk in him, but then he tells us about being rooted and built it. Built. Which buildings typically don't walk. They don't move. But he's noting our faith, if you will. We're rooted and built up in him. We should be like the roots of a tree. This word rooted speaks of just that, being the roots. Um, for those uh, florists out there, we have irises that are rhizomes. That's, we get our rhizome from this Greek word. It speaks of the roots. We have some, I think, irises in our yard. I see the rhizomes. They weren't buried that well. They're, I've trimmed the tops of them some with the lawnmower. I need to do something about them come springtime. But it speaks of being rooted. It caused to take root. It means reaching down and out to take and catch the water, the nutrients that that plant will need that's in the ground. That's what the roots are there for, to bring stability to the plant. We are rooted. We are to be rooted and built up in Him. That is in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. To keep that building side of things that we'll get to in a moment, the, that rooting is the foundation. So necessary for a building. You must have a proper foundation. If the foundation is bad, what's going to happen to the building, possibly, eventually? It may come down. There's... Some apartment building that makes the news every now and then, down in, uh, I believe it's San Francisco, that's leaning. And it continues to lean more and more. And there was some famous football quarterback that had a, a suite or something in it. I don't remember even what quarterback now, I just remember it was in there that... They basically had started condemning it because it was leaning too much. And they said, yeah, the foundation wasn't done properly. And so it's settling. Which is interesting because it's unsettling to have something like a building settle. Um, especially if you're in it. Uh, it becomes very unsettling. 
but uh, we need that foundation, and we have that foundation in Christ. He is our foundation. And we are to be rooted in him, because it is there for that plant that it gets its nutrients. Going back, we looked at Psalm 1, and we note that, and the psalmist describes that. We're to be like a tree planted by waters. Jeremiah will use that same thought in Jeremiah chapter 17 as well. Thus saith the Lord, verses 5 through 8, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited. Doesn't sound like a good place to be. Blessed is the man. He gives the contrast, though, the, the opposite. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. God calls on us to be rooted. We're to be rooted in Him. He is our foundation. Christ, our Savior, our Lord. The one from whence we get our strength. He is, as he would tell his disciples, I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. I am all that you need in this walk in Christ. Because you're in me and I in you. So we have that foundation to be rooted to, to gather the nourishment that we need so that we can be built up in him. Again, everything about our walk, everything about our Christianity, everything about our new life is Christ. So I like one man that we had come through years ago, reminded us that this is the Christ life that we live. And how true. We call ourselves Christians, yes, Christ-like. But it is his life that's being lived out in us. We are in him, as we see here in Paul to the Ephesians as well. We are in him, and he in us. We are walking in him. We are built and rooted in him. He is our source. He is our strength. We're to be built up, that building of a building, to be just that, built up. You watch a building being built had fun with, with Howard as we have uh, interacted through these months and uh, I am his chauffeur at times and uh, if he needs to go to the post office and we're together and go up there or to Smith's he's been watching a building in downtown Columbia Falls get built he's not impressed with it He's wishing for Columbia Falls like he remembers Columbia Falls when he first came. Now that goes back quite a few years. But he calls it a monstrosity. That's his word. It's a monstrosity. He doesn't like it. I don't know that he'll ever like it once he sees the finished product. But it's a monstrosity. But we've 
If you've been traveling up and down Nucleus for any length of time, you've been watching it being built. We saw the foundation being poured and uh, watched it being built up from the ground up, all three stories of it. We see it built up. We are to be built up. An edifice, that's not the word being used here. It speaks of a domicile, as we would use kind of a transliteration out of the Greek. A building, a home. It is to finish the structure of which the foundation has already been laid to give constant increase in Christian knowledge and in the life conformed thereto. We have that foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are to be built up in the Lord Jesus Christ, getting to know Him more and more. In knowledge, yes. But more than that, in our heart and soul. It's one thing to have head knowledge, but if it hasn't affected our heart, then there's, all, there's nothing there. God, Christ, changes us. Jude, along those same lines, says the same thing, similar. It says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, Jude 20 and 21. Building up ourselves. Say, so how do we do that? We do that by what we're doing right now. We gather ourselves together. We hear the Word of God in our Sunday school time, in our morning services, in our other services that we have. It gives us an opportunity to gather the materials that God wishes to build us up into Christ-likeness. We have the Word of God. We get our nourishment from there as well. And we are changed. Moment by moment. As we're in the mix, we can sometimes think, I just don't seem to be getting anywhere. More often than not, it's others who don't see us all the time that note the difference. Now, you watch your children grow, and it seems like they're, they're just not growing. Because we see them every day. But let the grandparents or the aunts and uncles who see them, you know, once or twice a year, or maybe not every year, every other year, and it's like, wow, look at them, they've grown. Well, yeah, that's because you haven't seen them for two years. Yeah, and they've grown. Well, we've seen them for all those two years, and like, yeah, it doesn't really seem like much. We can sometimes be too critical and think that we, it's just not working. Why? Because we're not seeing what we necessarily expect. If any of us are like most of us, I would say, you know, we like to see it now. We want to see that change now. We want to be better for our Lord now. So God, will you do it now? And better yet, could you have done it yesterday so that I could be ready for today? And God doesn't necessarily work that way because he has to deal with us. And sometimes we can be hard-headed. And he has to pull out the sledgehammer and work us over a little bit. 
But we are to be in that position of yieldedness to see him build and work in us. And to be long-suffering, even with him. Especially as we see the needed changes, and now we want to make those changes. God, I want it done now. Yes, please, Lord. But we still have a world around us that is not too pleased with seeing you conformed to the image of Christ. Kind of like Howard with that building. He doesn't like it. And I would dare say if he had his way, he, wouldn't, <laughs> he would do something about it. Can we get rid of it? Can we have something else put there? The world doesn't want to see Christianity. It doesn't want to see a clear picture of Christ. Because it shows them for who and what they are. Lost and undone. Without God. And yet that's the very thing that they need. The very thing they don't want to see developed is what they need in their own heart and life. The greatest thing is that which they don't want to see. And so it can be hard for us to see Christ built up, but he is to be built up. What a joy to see the examples in the scriptures in other believers Again, uh, since it's on my heart and mind, I, I, hard to realize that it's been a year since my home pastor went home to be with the Lord. I miss him. I can't call him. I can't text him. I can't send him an email. I can't have him help me with something. That impact was huge. And too oftentimes we don't realize it until they're gone. For many of us, we understood it was huge. These men who lived before us, I can tell and know that I too can be rooted and built up in him because I've seen the example, both the scriptural examples that we see but also our human examples of people that we interact with. Whether it be a Pastor Wingard, or Dr. Ed Nelson has passed away recently, another man that I knew of, didn't really know him as well as I knew Pastor Wingard, but these men who lived lives, fought battles, stood for the truth, Watch them grow and know that if God could do that in them and through them, then God can do it with me as well. I need not think, well, I, it just can't happen with me. Yes, it can. God can take those rough edges. He can build you into a building that is pleasing to him if we allow him. We yield and say, yes, Lord, build. We are to walk refreshed in the Lord Jesus Christ. As ye have been taught, he continues there in verse 7. 
old truths about Christ keep refreshing us. Verse 10. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. I love how at times in the scriptures we find God's perspective on our salvation. God sees us complete in him. He knows the finished product. That word complete speaks of being full, complete. God has made us complete in Christ. We lack nothing in Christ. Have we realized that? Yes, we're still all a work in progress. This building up and this being rooted is something that will last our lifetime. But God sees and knows the finished product. We're complete in Him. There's nothing that we need apart from what He has provided through Christ. And Christ alone. We walk rejoicing in Christ Jesus the Lord. Back to verse 7. Paul often brings us around to this. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Abounding is to exceed, to overflow, to go beyond measure. Abounding in faith brings about thanksgiving. Are we abounding? We've looked at this in a previous text, I believe here in Colossians, yes. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. But are we abounding with thanksgiving? Have we done as the hymn writer has laid out for us? Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Truly, it will surprise us what the Lord has done when we stop. We can so look at the world and see the the problems that are going on, and there are. I'm not knocking them. I'm not trying to negate them. As Luke records for us of the Olivet Discourse, the end times, there are going to be perplexities. Things that we just don't seem to have any human ways of answering and working it out. The way the things are going on in Ukraine, you almost are getting to that spot where you wonder, how is this going to unfold? How can Putin, quote unquote, save face if he pulls out? He can't. He's painted himself into a corner. How how does he get out of this? 
How does Europe get out of this? Would it not start causing some people to say, you know what, we need a man to step up and help us. We need somebody who has the answers. Yeah, there will be a man like that to step up that will have the answers for mankind and people will bow down and worship him. Thankfully, we won't be here. But these perplexities, these things are preparing the world for that. And we can get so wrapped up and so down, if you will, about these things that we forget who we are, where we are, who we belong to. And he calls us over and over again, you're to be abounding therein with thanksgiving. God has saved us. He is keeping us. He is growing us. He is doing everything he can to change us into the image of Christ. And we are to be a thankful people for that. We're no longer in bondage to sin. I mean, that should keep us rejoicing the rest of our lives. Paul to the Romans in Romans chapter 6, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. God has saved us. He broke those shackles. They're still around, yes. Don't try to put them back on. Sin no longer has to have dominion over us. We have a new king, if you will, and he'll use those same words throughout Romans chapter 6. We have a new king to serve, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is a gracious, loving king. Master, if you will, who takes good care of us. The best care we could ever have. So we're to be dead to sin and alive to Jesus Christ, as he tells us again in Romans chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. For in that he died, that is Christ, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, same manner, if you will, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign that is, rule, be king in your life, in your mortal body, that ye should obey it to the lust thereof. Why? Because it doesn't have to be. A new king has come in, the Lord Jesus Christ. Serve him. And we do so with rejoicing because he has saved us from sin, from its power. That has been broken. One day we will be saved from the presence of sin. When we pass from this life into the next. Or when that shout and that trumpet sounds. And we are caught up together with him in the air. We'll look at that tonight. Put a little plug in. Be back tonight as we look at the rapture of the church as we continue our eschatology. But we're to be abounding with thanksgiving. Why? Because of what Christ has done for us and is doing for us. 
we should be a thankful people. Not just on the fourth Thursday of November. Though that is a time that we do take time to be thankful. But we're a thankful people the other 364 or 365 days, depending if it's a leap year or not. We're still a thankful people. Why? Because we have the Lord Jesus Christ. He saved me. And He keeps me. He's changing me day by day, building me up in the most holy faith, showing forth Christ. We live and we are to rejoice with our victorious Lord because we do have a victorious life that He is living in us. Kind of close with a passage that just is coming to mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a great chapter on the resurrection. We'll visit it tonight as well. But after he's laid all that out, he says, therefore. What's the therefore, therefore? Because of all that he's just said. Because of all of this. About the resurrection. About the rapture of the church. The corruptible changing to incorruptible. The mortal changing into immortality. Death no longer having a sting to the believer. Because of all of that. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. Keep on keeping on. Unmovable. My faith is my faith. The Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Do we realize that? Say, but, but, Pastor, I've been dealing with this person for years. And it doesn't look like I'm getting any headway in seeing them come to Christ. What does he end with here? For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God knows what's going on. It's God that does the converting, not me, not you. We don't know what's going on in that heart. It may seem like we've hit a wall. And they're unresponsive. We don't know. We don't know what God's doing. And it may be that they end up spending an eternity in hell. But we've done our part, have we not, if we've given them the gospel. If we've showed them the way to Christ. If we've shown them what a life lived for Christ looks like in our own lives. They will stand before God without excuse. We will stand before God without excuse. We've given them the gospel. That's our labor. Giving the gospel is never something empty. Whether that person receives it or not. 
We can sometimes think that it's all empty. It's, it's what good is it doing? Nobody's, many a pastor has had that come Monday morning. I've poured out my heart in the services yesterday and just nothing happened. It's a wrong way to look at it. I don't know what happened. Because I don't know your hearts. I can't see into them. And I'm glad I can't. But God does. And God knows what he's doing with his word in your hearts. And how you're responding. That's his part. Mine is to give it. Mine is to seek, yes, what is my desire that every heart would be changed this morning? Anything that's hindering it would be removed this morning. And God would change us moment by moment into that Christ-likeness that he so desires. Eternity will tell the impact that we've had. May we wait for eternity. It's not in vain. May we never think that. God's the one that does the work. He changes us from the inside out. We are to abound with thanksgiving. May we walk in Christ Jesus the Lord as he has called us to. Rooted and built up in him. Abounding in thanksgiving. Because we have so much to be thankful for. So much. May we never forget that. Now or in the future. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for thy word. And pray, Father, that as we've considered these verses that you've allowed them to sink into our hearts and lives. Father, maybe we are like the Ephesian church in, in Revelation. We've got a lot of things right, but we've lost our first love. Or we've allowed sin that once had dominion over us to creep back in and have dominion. It's usurped you on the throne in our hearts. Father, I don't know. But I pray that as we've considered this, as we look at our walk in you, our life, that's what our walk is. Father, if there is something missing, may we seek your forgiveness where, there is, where it's needed. May we ask for your help. Seek the building materials of the Word of God. Father, if we are seeking to live this life apart from the reading of your Word, the, the hearing, the preaching of it, we're not going to grow. We're not going to be built up. So, Father, whatever the, the issue may be in our lives, may we seek thy understanding, thy strength, Thy means to see you change us. 
So that, Father, as we stand before thee one day, we will not be ashamed. Father, we do pray that your word would truly find lodging in our hearts this morning to change us. A lost and dying world needs to see Christ. They find Christ in, their, in your word. They find Christ through the words that we give and the life that we live, which is a life reflecting Christ. May we be mindful of that and, Father, truly show a clear reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. That comes by your effort to mold us and shape us into that image. Truly, may we be yielded vessels in your hands this morning. Do the work that only you can. And truly, Father, may we go forth with rejoicing, with thanksgiving, abounding, because you have done so much and are doing so much. Encourage us to that end, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.